Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Sometimes listeners reach out to me and say, how can I help this podcast? And the best thing you can do, to be honest, is just continue to share the podcast. It also helps if you go rate the podcast wherever you're listening and leave a review. So those are the two things you can do. We don't take donations. Um, it's just a labor of love. And and as I've mentioned in the past, the real heroes are the people that step forward and share their stories on the podcast. And I have one of those joining me via Zoom from Pocatello, Idaho, my friend Rainy Stock. Welcome to the podcast, Rainy. Thank you. So excited to be here. <laughs> Rainy has a wonderful story and she um, DM'd me on Twitter and felt courageous enough just to open up with her story. And I'm just honored to hear these stories. And it led to an invitation to be on the podcast. But uh, just by background, Rainy lives in Pocatello, Idaho, because she's an Idaho State University master's student. And your degree is in, tell our listeners. School counseling. School counseling. She also is a return missionary from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and she's in her mid-20s, single. And she's had quite a journey um, with her mental health, with a faith crisis, and just other roads she's walked. Um, she is a member of the church and a committed member of the church, but like many committed members of the church, that's been a bit of a journey. And I just feel impressed with Rainey sharing her story that her story may resonate with you as she's worked some of the things perhaps you're working through and her insights and learnings and um, will help you. So is that okay for an introduction? Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. So I'll just turn it over to you, Rainey. Yeah. So uh, Richard and I were talking a little earlier and um, I decided that I was just going to kind of share my story and then we talk a little bit after, but he can feel free to interrupt at any time. <laughs> um, so basically my story starts, um, I went to BYUI for a year and I kind of felt impressed to go on a mission, but I just wasn't totally sure. And so this bishop told me to go and tell God, he's like, just tell him what you want and then you can decide from there. And I called my mom and I told her, I said, I am going to tell God, no, I don't want to go. I, that's just not the road for me. Um, well, I was wrong. <laughs> and, uh, God said, no, you're absolutely going. Uh, and she said she had the exact same impression after we hung up. So I packed my bags, went to Colorado. I actually left 10 days after I turned 19. So incredibly fast. <laughs> and I remember thinking, why? Like, why so fast? And there were some pivotal moments, especially in my first area on my mission, that I think really framed a lot of where I am today. So I kind of wanted to discuss a couple of those. Um, the first one was basically proof for me that God exists and that the priesthood is real. And uh, I was in my car with my trainer and I was really nervous. Um, and I, I was just kind of feeling a little anxious, homesick, stuff like that. But I hadn't really said anything like that to anybody else. And I was actually sick. And so we were going to the church for me to go get a blessing from the elders because we had to meet up somewhere central. And 
all they knew was that it was because I was sick. We were literally in the car talking about all these other anxieties outside the church building. There was no way she could have talked to them from the time we got out of the car to the blessing because it was immediate. And so this elder comes over and he gives me a blessing of healing, basically, you know, and he stops, he picks up his hands and I can feel them shaking above my head a little. He puts them back down on my head and he says exactly the same things I had talked about in the car. I, there's no other explanation than God. I, I just don't know how else to put it. Um, then another thing that had happened while I was there, I met this family while I was on my mission and they were just like the most incredible family. And this lady had told us that she had been vacuuming the day before and was just crying and so upset and was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to like, is God even there? She kind of just screamed at him in her living room. And um, apparently the next day the missionary showed up and then they left. And then my companion and I came and this is the crazy part. So my companion ended up um, going home because she finished her mission um, after she trained me. And another companion came in and I was with this family up until my uh, last week in this area. And two weeks after I left, they moved and they haven't moved since. So I, that was just, that was so humbling. Like I was here for them. I was here for them. And, um, oh, and then there was one more. So my dad actually passed away when I was 13. Uh, he, he drowned and, um, he was drunk when he drowned. Uh, and there was another family there. Actually, my trainer married the son of a mother in the ward and, it was this family and his brother or her other son uh, ended up drowning right before I got there. And wow. so we went to that funeral. Wow. Yeah. And I found out um, this was Canyon city. This was where I was at. And I found out that that was one of the highest summers of drownings that they had had. And I had not wanted to talk about my dad for five years. I didn't say a word. You can ask my mom. You can ask anyone. I didn't go to counseling. I was so scared to talk about anything. And then when I got there, I realized maybe I need to start talking about my experiences too. And that was, that was pivotal almost for this too. You know, I just felt I needed to share my experience. And so that's that's kind of what happened on my mission. So fast forward, I get home and I go to BYUI and I started dealing with a lot of insecurities like weight gain and not fitting in anxiety, depression. I did have some panic attacks in high school, but I really pushed them aside and thought nothing of them. Um, and they left while I was on my mission. So this didn't come back until after. And I think a big part of the insecurity was feeling like I didn't measure up to the other students at BYUI. Um, 
Elder Bednar actually came to the school and he said that pride would be the downfall of that school. It was during a devotional. And when we heard this, um, I kind of wondered, because I thought, you know, not everybody's super, super LDS here. I don't think it's a scriptural term. And when I realized, no, it was about looks and appearance and money and things that I just couldn't measure up with. And so that really took a toll on me. I wasn't getting asked on dates. I didn't have a lot of friends. I just felt like I really did not fit in. And then that changed in September of 2017. Um, I ended up making this big group of friends. And during this time, um, oh, sorry, it was September of 2017. And then um, during this time, we had a good three semesters together. Um, during 2018, actually, one of these friends, he was LGBTQ, he was gay. And, you know, I, I'm going to be honest, I said some homophobic stuff. I wasn't the greatest person. Um, I, I feel really sorry for anything that I said that was hurtful or painful. Um, but we went and saw Love, Simon together. And I don't know why, but sitting there with my gay friend who I loved and cared about and watching this person go through struggles and hear things from people that I said myself it just took my breath away and I sobbed. I sobbed more than he did <laughs> through the whole movie. And afterwards, I just told him, I am so sorry. And I think this was the time when I, the very first time I had ever really questioned, is the culture of the church the way it should be? You know, am I, am I doing the right thing? And I've Ever since I've really advocated for LGBTQ members and I'm doing my part in learning from them. So another reason I really appreciate this podcast. Um, and so uh, kind of fast forward, um, we get to 2019, um, January. And up until this point, this group of friends and I had kind of had some bickering going on. It got kind of toxic and... I was in tears a lot, lots of nights crying and just so upset and hurt. And um, we ended up in this huge fight about a month before I graduated and it got really awkward. And it was like, no matter what I did, no matter how much I tried to apologize or make things right, it just didn't, things just didn't get better. I would get glared at when I walked in my apartment because they lived with me, um, ignored it was not fun. <laughs> and so I graduated and we left on a little trip to Boise. I needed to get out for a minute. And then we came back and I looked on my phone and these friends had unfollowed me from everything. And I started texting them and calling them and I'm like, what, what is going on? I thought we made up. I know you're still kind of angry, but can we fix this just over and over again? And it just didn't fix and I I was doing everything I could I was praying visiting my bishop I started to see my bishop and get help from him I I was like you know this is a church of forgiveness and the atonement and these that's what these other people in my apartment know about we're all LDS so why couldn't they forgive me 
Um, and I will say after a counselor and the bishop and stuff, I was able to um, kind of realize that, you know, there are boundaries. And even if people don't forgive me, I can forgive them. And I don't have to be in their life to be forgiven or to forgive. Um, so I have learned that. But at the time, that was not <laughs> that was not in the, the view. Um, I did not think that. And so I was really hurting at this time. And um, this bishop kind of started to help me. He helped me make some new friends, feel safe. So this was a YSA bishop in my home ward. Um, so it was a good time. And then in August, I tore a tendon in my ankle. And two weeks later, I ended up getting diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease, where I had to cut gluten out of my life. And because of the tendon tear, I was out of work for several months. So I was already super lonely and you don't think you can lose anymore, but when you lose freedom, when you lose an entire food group, I know it sounds silly, but it's a lot. It was a lot of change. Um, it was really, really tough for me physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, I didn't know what to do, but what I didn't realize at the time, I kind of started to rekindle some friendships and just make better friendships, you know, uh, with people I already was friends with that I just hadn't talked to for a bit because of this other friend group that kind of took up all my time. And they just let me vent and cry and showed me so much love and kindness when I felt so withdrawn from it. And I realized, I actually realized this today. I was like, I have not cried over a friend since that group of friends, unless it was me showing love, but it wasn't over me being hurt. And I, I just realized what it's like to have good friends. I am so blessed for the people in my life. And I know they're listening right now. Um, and I want them to know that I, I love them like so much. And they, they literally saved my life when I was going through something really tough. Um, so then in December, I got offered a job and I started to make some friends and we all know what happened in 2020 <laughs> in March. We do. Uh, we do. <laughs> COVID hit. And luckily I could still see some of these friends at this, this job. Um, the job was kind of a miracle too. Um, I, was I was disapproved from getting the job from a manager. This was a job I used to work at in high school and I wanted to go back and they told me it was because of a disability, like the temporary disability. Um, and then a general manager who used to work with me in high school sent me a text and he on Christmas actually. And he was like, well, do you want a job? You can come work with me. And I said, well, what about my, my cast? And I'm going to be on a little walker thing, you know? <laughs> and he's, and he goes, oh, we have another girl here who's going through the exact same thing. She just got out of surgery. Funny enough, she and I are actually really good friends now. <laughs> but yeah, so we had the two injured girls at this workplace and it was just so fun. I loved working at this place. Um, and even though COVID was there, I could still visit these coworkers every day who have become some of my good friends. I just, I loved it. And during this time, I had also 
thought about applying to school again. You know, I just graduated in child development, wanted to go to school counseling. So that was kind of happening around this time. I started applying. But then the other thing that was really important that happened during this time was my, even though I had good friends, my self-esteem was still just terrible. I was really struggling. Um, and garments were a huge struggle for me. Um, I just felt like they made me feel so drabby. Um, I couldn't wear anything I wanted to. I felt like I just wasn't myself. I almost felt confined by them. And that's never the way I want to feel about garments. You know, they're, they're something that are very personal to me. And so I really struggled with these. And I kind of started to look online, um, of course, at the church's website. But when I wasn't finding anything, I was like, okay, maybe Twitter or Reddit where people actually talk. Maybe I'll go there and kind of look. And I wasn't really finding much. Um, so I just kind of, I was like, you know what, I'll just go talk to the bishop. And so this was the same bishop that helped me through this friend thing. So this was somebody I had already gained a lot of trust in. And I went and talked to him. And it was like I was talking to a completely different person. He didn't even let me finish my sentence. And he stood up and put his hands on the desk, and just kind of in like a powerful stance over me. And was like, garments are the first sign of apostasy. So you're going to leave the church if you take them off kind of thing. And I had no intention of that. I just wanted to know how to make them work. Um, no intention. And that was, sorry, that was really painful. Um, he talked to me so condescending. And he walked over to his whiteboard and he drew this big circle and then a line underneath it and then another big circle. And he was like, that's of the world. That's not of the world. And what you're doing is not, is, is of the world and where you should be is not of the world. And I was like, why, how dare you talk to me? Like I'm three, I'm a grown adult and I'm really struggling with something. You're the person I'm supposed to come and talk to for help. And I left that meeting so embarrassed. And I cried through the whole sacrament. And I just, I didn't want to talk to him anymore. And I didn't want to go back if he was there. And, you know, I, this was another thing I did that I feel a lot of guilt about. Um, but I used to be that person that would be like, so what if a bishop offends you? So what if somebody makes you mad in the church? You just keep going. It's the church is for you, not the people. And while that is true to an extent, I was so hurt and embarrassed. And I feel for these people who leave because of being offended by somebody. It is so true. And it is so hurtful. And we could do a lot better at making things more comfortable and more safe for people in the ward. Um, so after, after this, I, so from like, I think that was maybe in April that I did that. Um, and I also uh, found out that I got accepted to ISU in April, actually on my birthday. <laughs> and, um, and so I went searching again because I didn't know who to talk to. 
I was like, there's literally nobody I can talk to. I feel so alone. My bishop won't talk to me. I don't think God will understand. I, I don't know what to do. I just felt like this criminal child almost. And so I just searched. But of course, when you start searching things, other things kind of come up and you start learning other stuff that you didn't learn before about the church or about what's perceived about the church or other things. And it really took me by surprise. There was a lot of stuff that I learned and I was really confused about, and it kind of threw my testimony off kilter. And so in June, I, I knew about a friend about a year before who had stopped wearing her garments. And she said it was because um, she had gained some weight and so they didn't fit anymore. And that's, that's all she said. So I'm not going to put words in her mouth and say if she was struggling at that point or not, I don't know. Um, but that was all I knew when I went to talk to her. And even though I didn't know that she knew some of this stuff, she just let me cry and talk. And I think I sat on her couch and just sobbed for an hour. I just broke. Finally talking to somebody and being heard was so nice. And then she opened up to me and said, I'm struggling with the same stuff. And it's like, we were both so alone and didn't realize it, you know? And so I kind of, moved forward from that. And I, I opened up to a couple other people, just people I felt really safe with, but nothing too crazy. And then I went to school in September. I was so sad because I had to leave all my friends again, <laughs> go to this completely new place. I knew nobody in Pocatello, but I made the best of it. And, um, and it was lonely, but I, I did what I could because we were all on zoom. We were still online for this last year. So I was, I was at home a lot. And then in January, February, you know, that seasonal loneliness kicks in and you just want somebody to date. <laughs> and uh, so I started looking online on Hinge and I ended up matching with somebody. He was really cute. I won't lie. Um, <laughs> and I didn't really care if they were LDS or not at the, that point. I just was like, whatever. He actually ended up being LDS, but he drank and he wanted to go gambling. And I, I did sincerely not care if he, if he drank or gambled that that's not my thing, but I cared if I was going to be there or if this was really the life I wanted to go down, especially after losing my dad and so many other family members to alcoholism. Um, I was like, I don't, I don't know that this is what I want. And I just, I was so tired of living in the gray and not knowing what I needed to do for my life that I broke down and I just started making call after call telling people I was leaving the church. Um, I, that was really scary. <laughs> um, I called friends. I called my mom. I called my brother. I called my cousin who I hadn't talked to in a while. 
I just called so many people. But when I got to my brother, he was kind of the last one of the night. I hadn't talked to everybody, but I did talk to a lot. I just started feeling really anxious about my decision. And I'm sorry if this is TMI to the listeners, but I I was throwing up a lot and I I was I was ready to die. I was like, there's no point. If the church isn't true, there's no point. This was this was what my whole life has been led to. And I was ready to take a bottle of pills. But because I am in counseling, the counseling program specifically, I kind of knew what to do when crisis like that hit. And I made a life-changing decision and I called the crisis center. And I'm sure they were like, oh my gosh, this girl's crying a lot. But um, they sent me to the hospital to recover from from the sickness. Um, And then I went to the crisis center and stayed there for one night. And I remember getting up that morning, actually in the hospital is where it started. I I felt so empty. Like I literally felt completely alone. Like the Holy Ghost had left almost. And um, that's what I was convinced had happened. And I'll tell you a little bit about that in a sec. But um, I went and I said a prayer. And it was, it was my last, my last little bit of faith that I was putting out. I said, God, if you're there, tell me, I don't, I don't know what to do. And so I didn't think this would make me cry as much as it did. I stood up and I turned around and there was a bookshelf. And all of the books were turned away. You couldn't see the cover on any of them, but right in the middle where you could see the cover. I don't know how I did not notice this until this point. But there was a picture of Christ surrounded by children. And if God knows anything, he knows that Christ has always been my best friend. And that I love children. And I love working with children and I see the pureness and innocence in them. And I just, I just knew. And then after that, I went over and I kind of was over by the front desk and there was a lady there and um, she'd kind of been watching me and talked to me just for a half second. And then I went and sat down and she walked over to me and she handed me a sticky note with her phone number on it. And she said, I know I'm not supposed to do this, and normally I don't do this, but you seem really special. So this is my number. You can call me anytime. I don't think you need to be here. And after talking to her, I found out she was LDS and had some kids going through the same thing. And so I had to really strip my testimony down But I realized in that moment that even if the church wasn't true, what made me feel better? And the church never let me down. God never let me down. I always had that safe place to land. 
And without it, I felt nothing. And I ended up in a crisis center. So it was completely different. So my mom came and picked me up and I went out and gave her a hug. And I told her, I want my testimony back. I want it back. And so um, that night I went and got a blessing from my cousin's husband. And in the blessing, I mean, I, I didn't really tell him everything, but he said, the Holy Ghost never left you. And so maybe, maybe he wasn't directly inside of me, but I could see him being next to me. And that was really cool, knowing he never actually left. And so I kind of started to come back and, um, and I told some of my friends, I was like, I'm so sorry for yo-yoing on you <laughs> and not knowing what I'm doing. And two of my friends said something really important. So the first one, she told me I could leave and come back to the church a hundred times and she would never love me any less. It is my faith journey. And that was incredible. That's cool. Yeah. I was like, how does she have that kind of love? And how do I get that? And then um, one of my other friends told me she had learned about polygamy and was confused about it. But and she didn't totally agree with what had happened, but she decided to stay in the church. And as I kind of kept talking to other people, I realized other people had struggled with things in the church and none of us talked. I felt so alone for so long, but so many of us were struggling and I had no idea. And I'm like, how much grief could have been saved, you know, just by talking. And so this friend, she actually introduced me to Rosemary Card, who, you know, and then Rosemary introduced me to Julie Hanks and then Julie Hanks introduced me to you. <laughs> so that's kind of how it went. And I, this is coming from somebody who is studying counseling, but I looked at their posts for two days straight and that did more for me than months and months of therapy did in trying to navigate this crisis. Um, it is amazing how led by the spirit all of these people are. And I, I am so grateful. Um, you know, and then it was interesting because um, about a week, no, it was a couple weeks after I decided to go back to church again for the first time in a while. And it actually ended up being testimony meeting. And somebody walked up to the pulpit and he said, you know, either Joseph Smith was a con man or he was a prophet of God. And I choose to believe he's a prophet of God. And, you know, I, I was like, yeah, I, I do like that. But I wonder if maybe these prophets did make mistakes. Maybe there were things that weren't totally right maybe they aren't always perfect and fallible beings maybe they have problems <laughs> and um and so there's another person i i follow on instagram um and she talks about she's like i have made peace with having two complete sentences so when it comes to brigham young brigham young was racist and 
Brigham Young is a prophet, period, period. It doesn't mean he didn't make mistakes. And she's acknowledging that. But it also doesn't mean he wasn't a prophet. And that's that's where I choose to believe is maybe and maybe some of these mistakes are lies made up. Maybe some of them actually did happen. But no matter what, that doesn't mean that Joseph Smith isn't a prophet. And maybe we need these questions and these doubts to give us faith because seeing and knowing is not faith. Faith is basically knowing without seeing, you know. Um, and so at the end of all of this, um, there was a couple of things. So I apologize to my brother and my cousin who had left the church. And I told them that I'm so sorry. I never asked why. I kind of just shut him down. And then the other thing was a really cool metaphor I had kind of thought about um, on the 4th of July. So uh, we go and watch the fireworks down by the Idol Falls River every 4th of July. And we were walking up this hill. And my mom had broken her toe. <laughs> and so she's trying to pull this wagon with all of this stuff in the back, including my niece. And there was this chair that kind of kept falling out. And so she's going up this rocky hill with this wagon. And I was holding on to this stuff. And I realized in that moment, I was like, this, this is such a great metaphor for what I'm feeling. I'm like my mom. I'm in a hurry to get through the pain. I'm trying to just make it up this hill, back to the car, back to my safety net. And it is so hard. And I don't know what to do. But there's Christ right behind me, helping me and pushing my testimony forward. And maybe I don't see him all the time. Maybe I don't see God all the time. But they're there, you know. And I I am still in the process of coming back. I'm still working through that. Um, but I feel like that weight and that burden isn't totally being carried by me, even if it feels like it sometimes. And that they're there too. So that's my story. <laughs> Rainy, it's a great story. On behalf of all me and all of the listeners, thank you for the courage to share your story. Um, it just, it really takes a lot of courage to share everything you did. I don't want to underestimate that, even though this is the vulnerable podcast, everybody that comes <laughs> on and does what you did is remarkable. And I think it takes great confidence, great self-awareness, great humility, great vulnerability, but it helps other people know they're not alone. I think this is the You're Not Alone episode because <laughs> that's yeah. such a theme throughout your podcast is that as you opened up and found other people that were walking with you, you felt less alone and recognized there were other active Latter-day Saints that had some of the same concerns. It wasn't just people that had left the church, but there were people in the church um, I love what Julie Hanks and Rosemary Card did for you. And they have, are wonderful women that I have learned so much from. Um, and, you know, listeners, not everybody identifies with every church leader or every person like me that's not a church leader, just trying to be a voice of bringing more understanding. But I think in creating Zion, there'll be people within our faith that really help other people in our faith. So if if I don't resonate for somebody, 
um, what I I may resonate for other people. And if a church leader resonates with someone that doesn't for other, let's just give permission for everybody to find people within our faith community that are helpful for them and recognizing their contributions to create Zion. So um, some people might not be comfortable with everything I say or Rosemary or Dr. Hanks say, but the, all three of us are committed Latter-day Saints trying to talk about complicated topics in the very best way we know how. And I've learned a lot from these women and I recognize their influence on you to help you feel there's not alone. And there's actually people that are in the church that have some of the same questions and concerns you do. And you know, this, that creates a feeling that you, you can be in this church yeah, and that's good for you. And it's good for a church. Um, and then you're able to, to, what you're already doing with this podcast will do help others. Um, I love, um, you use the word embarrassed to talk about your garment. And I think that's a pretty honest, vulnerable word. I just, you know, I've had women reach out to me and share, um, a deep testimony of the church, a deep commitment to their covenants and being very uncomfortable with garment wearing. And so I think, and I don't, I know, you know, so I love you sharing that story and I love where we can do better because I don't think this was like a spiritual issue or a testimony issue. It was just an honest, uncomfortableness you had on a practical level with garment wearing. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. you weren't talking about, I'm not keeping the covenants or you weren't talking about, I, you know, it was just, I'm uncomfortable wearing garments. And as Mm -hmm. we know, um, garments are changing a lot. Um, and to make them more of, just to make them work for more people. Talk about garment wearing now, or if you're willing to talk about that, it's kind of yeah. a personal question. It's okay. <laughs> um, talk about garment wearing now. Yeah, no, um, I would love to, because I think it doesn't get talked about enough. I know it's, it is personal. Um, and I, you know, that was something I was searching for. Cause I was like, nobody's talking about this. And actually I listened to a podcast of yours the other day from, I think the person's name was Tom. And he said he was addicted to pornography and he was like, well, if no one else is talking about it, why don't I talk about it? And so that's, that's kind of what I want to do. I want to advocate for women um, as a woman myself, you know, um, garments are a wonderful thing and they can draw you so much closer to the savior. but. And it's a big butt. <laughs> there are things about them that can be really uncomfortable for people, um, including myself. Um, not only mentally, you know, if if you're struggling with insecurities um, physically, which I didn't realize at the time. So this is also going to be the TMI podcast for everyone. <laughs> but I was dealing with um, some UTIs and yeast infections and stuff like that. And I didn't realize that that was a problem that happened because of garments. And it actually is a huge problem that is happening because of garments. And, um, and I know of people who have skin sensitivity issues. And um, I think about people who are LGBTQ and maybe don't want to buy a feminine garment or a masculine garment, you know, there can be a lot of, a lot of struggles when it comes to these things. Um, and so 
I, I've really gone back and looked at the handbook and taken my time to understand them, the, what it says. And what it talks about is it says, ultimately, it is when is reasonable to you throughout your life. And it is between you and God in the end, you know, something along those lines. And I thought, God does not want us to suffer. He doesn't want us to feel terrible 24-7. I think when he wants, when we put it on the garment, he wants us to think of him and have it be a symbolic and beautiful practice. And so, you know, I, I will always advocate for making garments a little healthier for women. Um, Maybe there's changes in design we can continue to make to make them a little easier um, for everybody to wear. Um, but also, until that point, I feel so much better choosing to wear them to church, the temple, this interview, you know, very church and spiritual related things as well as other days when I, I feel comfortable enough to wear them because I'm putting them on with purpose and, and a conviction to God rather than putting them on with complaints and a heavy heart. And that means so much more to me. So that's kind of where I, I feel about them right now. That's a great answer. And I'm not your YSA bishop, <laughs> <laughs> um, but my I think what I'd say if I were, your your father's gone, I'd just say, I trust you, Rainy. I trust you. Thank you. Um, and I just recognize you've served a mission. You've given 18 months of your life to serve the Lord. You're in a program, a master's program focusing on school counseling, and that's focused on helping others. And I just say the core of you is trying to do the right thing, and I trust you. And you. I think, you know, the most listeners, the most viral Facebook post I've ever written, it's about five years old. It's called, Is She Wearing Her Garment in that wedding dress photo? And it sort of goes on to, you know, um, one of the lines in that post, I just pulled it up. That garment represents a covenant between the individual and Heavenly Father. But that's a personal covenant that is not used but that personal covenant is not used as a measuring stick to judge others' commitment to their personal covenants. And so I just think we can't judge other people on how they choose to, you know, wear gar their garments. And it's not, it can't be a way to divide us as the body of Christ, as each of us may have different feelings about the best way to honor that covenant. And especially for women that, there's just more complexity generally for women in garment wearing than there is men. So I, as a man, need to sort of be willing, even if I've never had any of these experiences and garment wearing has just been this green light event in my life, to be recognized that others that are equally committed to the church may be having a very different experience and not to sort of then think you're less faithful or this is one step to leaving the church. And and I think it's okay to talk about a negative experience with a priesthood leader. I have, I could probably do a podcast and round up everybody that's had a negative experience with me <laughs> for an hour. I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and so I, I, when we know better, we do better. And I know you share that experience um, only to help all of us do better. 
And sometimes hearing actual stories are helpful. And um, that was a painful experience. And I've learned that if you had told me that experience, just to validate that painful experience and not dismiss it or not say you're overthinking it or didn't really mean that, because um, that's how you felt. That's the reality of that. And I've learned to validate that and still support and sustain our leaders. It's not like I have to give up one to do the other. And I know you understand that. Yeah, I do. So I love just that you've navigated that and you've found other people. And I think your podcast will help others. And and that covenant, as I mentioned, listeners, is a covenant between me and my heavenly parents, but it doesn't give me the right to sort of judge other people on that covenant because that's just a way to divide us. And I think that's one of Satan's tools to sort of internally divide us over these sort of checklist mentality that to me... Um, can really pull us apart as, as Latter-day Saints. And you certainly felt some of that, wondered if your spot was here. Um, talk about your brother. Um, I think you mentioned he's out of the church and just update us mm-hmm. on your relationship with your brother. Um, I actually have a very close relationship with my brother. Um, we didn't growing up as every sibling <laughs> pair does. Uh, we struggled, but now we're, we're very, very close. And um, my brother kind of always struggled with the church. Um, but when we, or sorry, when I went on my mission, he, uh, decided to come back and he came back for a while. Um, he got married, stuff like that. And, um, he ended up leaving the church a few years later. And like I said, I, I really, I think I invalidated him a lot. Um, he was just hurt. He left at the time. It was during the time I was still really strong, you know, with the church. And I was just like, why would you leave? Um, but after this kind of stuff, you know, after talking to him, he has shown me so much love and support. And I feel like, and not to toot my own horn, but I feel like I've done the same for him. Um, you know, he, he talks frequently about, I just want people to have conversations with me. We don't have to argue. We don't have to say that our side is right, just a conversation. And I think we've really navigated that. And um, we've had some really good conversations. Um, but the one conversation I, I kind of talked with you about earlier um, that I, I think would be good for listeners to listen to, just it's more just something to ponder on, but it really, I think even as I was saying that, I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't think I was saying that. I think God was saying that. But um, he was talking to me about evolution and the Big Bang Theory and stuff. And how can God exist if if there's that? And he's like, I still don't understand how animals got here, but everything else makes sense. And um, and he's like, I just don't know how you believe what you believe, you know? And And I said, okay, well, let's take a step back. Let's just say for the sake of things that God exists. Okay. And we get to the next life. God exists. He's there. He's real. And he goes, okay. And I said, so in the God that I believe in, because he's, um, he's atheist in the God that I believe in, he can do literally anything, anything. And he was like, yeah. And, and I said, so what's to say that he didn't 
caused the Big Bang Theory, that he didn't put animals on the planet, that he didn't turn, you know, men from animals. And I know that's kind of mixing our doctrine and that's not exactly what happened according to our doctrine. I understand that. But this was more of a, it wasn't, it wasn't so much of a, the doctrine. It was more of a, God can still exist even if your beliefs are different. And um, that was just, that was a really, really cool moment that I had with him. And I, I still think about it all the time. I'm like, oh, God really does exist <laughs> in every aspect, you know? I love that. Does your brother want you to leave the church? Um, <laughs> he's totally listening. He's going to give me so much crap for this. Um, yes, he's, he and a lot of um, my family members who've left do. And I know that it's not out of like hate or spite. It's just in their mind and to them, they're doing the right thing. And in my mind and to me, I'm doing the right thing, you know? And so um, I don't, I don't take it offensively, but I'm letting them live their paths. I'm letting the people who are still super strong, you know, doing everything exactly to the book. I'm let in my family, I'm letting them do it that way. And for me, I am just that little gray fence sitter. Then there's not really a lot other like me in the in our family that I know of. There may be more, but as I know of right now, it's it's just me. I I love that segment with your brother. As a parent, you know, I, I think the thing that makes me the happiest as a parent is when our kids get along. And sometimes they get along really easily because they all cheer for the same sports team and they're all unified. <laughs> and but I th- and that makes me happy. But other we've got kids with different political beliefs and and I think one of the things that makes me happy is when they can all find, you know, respect for each other in their differences. And I think that's, listeners, what makes, what I think one of the things that makes our heavenly parents happy. And I think it's one of the things our leaders of our church are teaching. Other cooks talk about unity and diversity. To me, you know, I was trying to reduce the divisiveness within the church and even between people in the church and people that have left the church. And it's logical for people that have left the church um, to want to bring others with them. But I've met many, and some have been on this podcast to say, this is my journey. And I honor people who feel their path is to be in the church. And I think that's one of the great places we can all be is when our role, instead of pulling people to our path or make our story their stories, we honor the individual stories. Um, I just had a couple Instagram posts, and I'm going to ask you another question. Um, sure. One of the things about you being alone is kind of reflected in this Instagram post, and it's just something for all of us to consider. And here's the post. I hope we don't create a culture which creates a feeling that those who question or doubt are the elect who will be deceived at the last day, the terrors, or have personal worthiness issues. How will people feel safe opening up to a local leader, parent, or friend if our culture has already defined them like this? And that's really important. So Rainey here is having questions. And it takes a lot of courage for Rainey to find people within her faith to open up to that won't sort of, you know, create a, a judging experience or a shaming experience or and just sit with her. And you had some people in your life as you opened up 
especially with that other woman that was having the same feeling about the garments. And I just recognize how helpful that was for you to find people within our faith community that could walk with you and validate that. And I think, listeners, we have to create a culture with our own words and actions of saying kind things about people that are in faith crisis or even people that have stepped away from our church because I think it signals to them you are a safe person so that people can open up. And and that leads me to kind of a another, um, well, it was just this idea, let's be known as a peculiar people because, and that's a term, of course, because the great way we treat people in our faith, considering our faith, the people of other faiths, and even those that have stepped away from our faith, if we really own our faith, we should be the most kind to everybody because we have the best understanding of the plan of salvation. And you're nodding your head on the screen. You taught yeah. that in Colorado Springs. So it's hard when we have people in our life that have stepped away from the church that brings us all the joy and happiness. But I think we should be the most loving and supportive and kind and be willing to hear their story like you suggested um, and not be afraid to hear that story and have the maturity to sort of sit with them and and hopefully they won't just share their story and try to draw us out, but we can kind of understand what you've done with your brother. And then the, the, the love and support and the connection you have with each other is not superficial. It's real and it's genuine. And he's kind of one of your go-to people. I sense that you, he could, he would be there with you. And yeah, yeah, um, he is. He's kind of, he's kind of taken a role as a dad figure, you know, almost. Um, Talking this After last losing my dad, you know, I thought about your dad actually. If you that, you know, I think he's really proud of you. Thank you. Um, and I, I think he's really proud of who you are and the woman you are and the work you're doing. And I think somehow he's aware of you and and he has pain, of course. I don't want to put words in his mouth on either side of the veil, <laughs> but I sometimes listeners put the names of people that have passed away on the temple prayer roll. I don't know if that's okay or not. I don't do that a lot, but I sometimes think they have, they're human. They have the same emotions and feelings that we do. And I think your life and your goodness and your commitment to help others helps heal him. Um, just a thought listeners up. That's okay, Rainy, but I've thought no, about I... him a little bit in the podcast and I agree. Um, how proud he is of you and will continue to be. And, and it's, um, very healing to him to see the woman that you are and the good that you're doing. Talk about just how do you support others? Um, so now that things have kind of simmered down, <laughs> my life's kind of, you know, evened out a little bit. I'm, I'm on more steady ground. I, I found a way to help support others. Um, actually a few different ways. So the first one is honestly the skills I've learned from school. Um, one of my teachers, I, I remember talking to her because our, our cat passed away and our cat was very close to us. And, um, and I said, I don't know how to talk to my mom about this without going into therapy role, you know? And she said, well, you're learning how to be a listener. You're learning how to be a good listener. There's nothing wrong with being a good listener to people you care about. And so as I've learned you know, through my own experience that things can change in the blink of an eye. Things can get really hard. Um, life is not easy all the time. That 
the best thing you can do for people is just listen. You don't have to fix it. You just need to validate it. And um, there were a couple of scriptures I, I wanted to share with the audience that I think really explain, I guess, how I feel. So the first one is, um, it's actually a few scripture songs, but um, this is when Jesus testifies that he is the resurrection and the life and Mary and Martha testify of him. And when he raises Lazarus from the dead. So this is John 11 and it's 31 through 45. It says the Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out followed her saying she goeth unto the grave to weep there and when mary was come where jesus was and saw him she fell down at his feet saying unto him lord if thou hadst been here my brother had not died when jesus therefore saw her weeping and the jews also weeping which came with her he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said where have ye laid him they said unto him lord come and see jesus wept then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, coming cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he sinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead come forth, bound hand and foot with graves close, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, unto them, loose him and let him go. The many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. And I love that, um, especially verse 35. It's two words, but it's Jesus wept. And he knew he was going to fix her problem. He knew her problem was going to get better. Things were going to be okay. But for now, he just sat with her. And what an amazing example. Um, and I don't always know that things are going to be okay. I don't always know how to fix things. And I don't want to know how to fix things. That's for people to figure out themselves. But I will be there every step of the way. And I will weep with them. And that has been amazing. And then the other one I wanted to share, I'm just going to type it in my computer. I forgot to bring it up. Um, this was my favorite scripture. It was actually on my mission plaque. And it has helped me numerous times through the stuff I went with with my friends, the loneliness I felt. And now I, I almost feel like I can take this too um, to heart and how I share with others. But it says, it's Joshua 1 9, and it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. And I love that because 
I don't have to be afraid of the future. I don't have to worry about, you know, like when I was in the hospital on the floor and just like there was nothing to fall on. I always have God to fall back on. And he really is with me wherever, kind of like that Holy Ghost thing. He was right next to me, even if I felt like he wasn't, you know, inside, I felt like he was next to me. And, um, and I hope that I can be that for other people too, that I can be with them, whithersoever they go and, um, that I can, I can help them on their journeys. And there was just one other thing I wanted to add. Um, I did not talk to you about this, <laughs> Richard, I was going to mention it. Um, so my best friend and I, um, we actually ended up starting a podcast too. Good. Um, yeah, we're really excited. Actually, you pushed me to do it <laughs> a Tell little our, bit. We, good. Tell we our listeners talked about, about it. it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, we've kind of talked about it, thrown the idea around and we were just like, eh, I don't know. And then when you invited me, because I had no intention of um, being on your podcast when I messaged you, it was just maybe he could use the story and state conference. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but when you invited me, we were talking about, we're like, you know, we need to start it. So um, it's called young flirty and not thriving. Um, we're still working on getting the first episode out. It'll be out. I think next week, um, the first couple episodes. Um, but the reason I bring this up is because it is an advice podcast because she gave me so much good advice when I was going through hard things. And I feel like I've gone through so much in my life that it would be wrong for me to not share my experiences and help others through theirs. And, and, you know, not in a, I, I'm not yet a professional, so our advice doesn't replace that of professionals, but um, more like a friend, just to be there as a friend. And, you know, whether it's the advice podcast or in real life, that's, that's what I want to be. And, um, anybody who's listening, you can, even if I don't know you, please find me on Facebook, DM me, reach out to me. I, I would love to just talk. If you need somebody to vent to. I, I'm here. So how do people find you on social media? Sure. So, um, again, uh, young flirty and not thriving is our podcast. Um, there's a Google form where you can submit questions anonymously if you would like. Um, and we're respectful of pronouns, stuff like that. So please include those if you would like. Um, and then, uh, let me, I, I'm just rainy stock on <laughs> Facebook. Can you um, spell that for us just so everybody can spell it right? Yes, of course. It's R A I N as in Nancy, I last name S T O C K. Um, you can find me on Twitter at rainy 2727. So same name. And then Instagram, um, I'm on there quite a bit too. Um, you can find me just at rainy stock. So rainy space stock. So those are some places you can look for me. And I hope you guys listen to the podcast and submit questions. I'd love to just talk to you. So I love you're doing a podcast. I'm sort of in the mindset, more podcasts, the better. And Yes, um, I love them. I don't want to be the only podcast guy, and you know, so I love other podcasts starting, and and love to get. So I love what you're doing. Um, you. I think podcast is a really great platform, and I think you have really good insights to help others. Thank you. Um, just some closing thoughts. I love the role of your mom. We haven't directly talked about your mom, but you've mentioned her several times, mm-hmm. and I 
you know, and it seems like she's been there with you and she's been walking a unique road, losing her husband. But I think this is a payday podcast for your mom. If you're listening to have, you know, Rainy, this, this daughter of yours, who's walked through really complicated roads and where she is. I think it's a payday for your heavenly parents. I sometimes think that they would say, this is just where we'd hoped you'd be at this point in your life. That all these difficult things that have happened before and after your mission are not a surprise to us, and they're not um, something that's gone awry, but it's part of your mortal journey. And then that leads me to a quote. I haven't done this quote for about 10 podcasts, but it's my most frequent used quote, listeners, and it's The Wounded Healer is the name of the quote by Henry Norwin. A minister's service will not be perceived as authentic unless it comes from a heart wounded by the suffering about which he or she speaks. The great illusion of leadership is to think others can be led of a desert by someone who's never been there. So you know a bunch of deserts, Rainey. Um, deserts that put you in, you know, whatever the right vocabulary is for when your mental health was in a really tough spot. Um feelings about difficult church experiences, wondering if you would stay in the church. And I think going through this in your 20s, as well as your your work and master's program, just allows the rest of your life to happen in a really authentic way that you can go, just like you're doing in this podcast, and walk with people because you've walked these roads. And then you understand sister issues where you may just be able to, like that gay guy you watch that movie with, you know? That isn't the road you're walking, but a lot of people that have had difficult experience are able to walk with our LGBTQ members because they just sort of understand life on the margins or difficult experiences and how to connect people with the Savior and His hope and His atonement. So I think you have a great life ahead of you. And uh, Rosie Card or Dr. Julie Hanks, if you're listening or your listeners are listening, I just want to publicly thank you for the work you're doing. And here is Rainey. I'm talking very openly about how what you've done for her. And I, you've done the same for me. I have learned so much from both of you. And I just want both of you to know how needed your work is to help us become the Zion people we need to become. And you're strong and you're courageous and you're capable and you have wonderful insights. And Elder Uchtdorf in a talk talks about sometimes we need to get past the massive iron gate of what we thought we already knew. And I like that. And sometimes I need to be stretched personally. And sometimes it's people in my life that stretch me that helps me get past the massive iron gates so I can better meet the needs of other people. But sometimes that growth is a little uncomfortable. And so some listeners, this podcast will hear things that make help them maybe make them feel uncomfortable. But I'd sit with that for a little bit, listeners, and say, is this something that's actually going to help me improve so I can get past the massive iron gate of what I thought I knew so I can better understand and help others. And and it's people like you, Rainy, that step forward and share their stories that help us consider things that we can do better. So you have a great life ahead of you. Um, and I think the man you're going to marry is going to love this whole story about <laughs> you because I think he Thank you. <laughs> just realizes you're real and authentic and he, you will be a safe person to him. And I think part of falling in love with him is just both of you coming together in your stories. Do you have any final thoughts before we sign off? Um, yeah, I, I really wanted to touch on um, 
something you said about being uncomfortable. Growth does not happen in comfortability. It only happens when you're uncomfortable, when you're stretched, when you're pulled. That's how you grow. I mean, if you think about a kid, like I, I work with children, that's why they're called growing pains. <laughs> they, they struggle when their bones are growing and stuff. It, it doesn't happen comfortably. When they have teeth coming in, it's, you see babies just cry and cry over it. It's hard. Um, and I think that applies in any realm that you will not grow unless you're uncomfortable. So listeners, if you are struggling and you're hurting, you kind of feel like you're at your bitter end, like I did. Just know that maybe this is a part of your journey and maybe you need it to grow. Um, so, yeah. And, and also thank you, um, uh, Richard and Julie Hanks and Rosemary. They're all wonderful, wonderful people. And please go give them follows and read their stuff. They've helped me incredibly. So. Well, that's great. Rainy Stock, on behalf of all of our listeners, we really appreciate your courage to come forward and share your story, and it just helps us all. And thank you, our listeners, for being on, just listening and sharing this podcast, and it works because of the guests and the listeners. So this is Richard Osler signing off from another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. Mm-hmm.